0: All right, let's take our Bibles this morning, and let's go to Luke, okay? Luke chapter 18 this morning is where we will be. Luke chapter 18, we'll start in verse number 31 here in just a moment. Uh, No, I'm sorry, 35 in just a moment, and we'll read here down 35 through 43, all right? But as you know, on Sunday mornings, we're going through the miracles of Christ as we find them in the gospel records. And be reminded what they are recorded for us, why they are there, recorded for us in the Word of God. They're not there just for some kind of show like Herod wanted to see in Luke 23. They're not there just to see the following that would follow Jesus Christ because of the many things that he did. It's not there just to show his mighty power, though each one does that for sure. Listen, be reminded every single time you come to these portions of Scripture... There is nothing too hard for the Lord. But that's not the main purpose. The main purpose wasn't even just to help people, though Jesus helped thousands of people. Rather, the main purpose, I believe, as I look at these miracles of Christ found in the gospel records, I believe the main purpose behind them is this, to show and to prove who He really is, that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah, that He is Christ, that He is, listen to this, that He is God. Come the flesh, Emmanuel, God, with us. It proves His deity over and over and over again. Listen, this is who your Savior is, people. Let it, let, let it rejoice your heart. Let, it, let these miracles draw you closer to Christ. Here's what, here's what John said about these miracles in John 20, verse 30 through 31. And many other signs truly that Jesus, in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. Why, John? that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. So this is why we have these miracles, to show that He is the Son of God. And seeing this fact, understanding this truth, it should cause you and I to come to Christ, believe on Him as our Savior, and have life through His name. So once again, allow this miracle we're going to look at today, bring you to Jesus Christ, who He is, The Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, God in the flesh. So as we come to Luke chapter 18 this morning, we'll find also this same miracle recorded for us. We'll make reference of these other scriptures, but you'll find it recorded as well in Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 46 through 52, if you want to put that in the margin of your Bible. Uh, But you'll also find it in Matthew chapter 20, verse 29 through 34. So it's found in three gospel records, but as we come to this portion of Scripture in Luke primarily, uh, keep in mind, as we saw last Sunday, that Jesus is making his final approach to Jerusalem. And on this journey, he is teaching and preparing his disciples of what is soon to come. He is preparing them of how Jesus must suffer many things at the hands of the Gentiles and at the hands of the Jews. I must suffer, bleed, and die, and raise again from the grave the third day for the sins of the world. To give you and I life. He's trying to prepare them for this, teaching them of this wonderful truth of the gift of salvation through him and him alone. He's preparing them for this. He is preparing them for a time when he will no longer be with them, at least in a physical sense, as he has been with them for the past three years. He is preparing them to minister and to serve and to help others as Jesus has done that for the past several years. He is teaching a lot to these men in these days and moments leading up to the entry into Jerusalem. No doubt these days, these moments, these lessons that the disciples were going to learn would, would have been very critical for these men. And we see some of the lessons they learn as you look at this portion of Scripture in Luke 17 and others. Leading up to this moment, they learned a lesson such as these. They learned a lesson on forgiveness. And that's a lesson we all need to learn today. Amen right there. They learned a lesson on thankfulness. We saw that last Sunday when we saw the uh, cleansing of the ten lepers. He's teaching a lesson on thankfulness. He was teaching a lesson on the second coming. You can see that in this portion of scripture in Luke 18. You can see, uh, or 17 rather, you can see he's teaching a uh, life lesson of consistent prayer. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, meant always to pray and not to faint. He's teaching them what salvation really is. He says some people trust in themselves like the Pharisees. There's no salvation in yourself. Some people trust in their riches like the rich young ruler, but there's no salvation in your riches. Rather, he pointed to himself like these little children that came to Jesus. And he says, listen, this is how you come to the Lord. This is how you come to Christ like the faith of a little child. Mark chapter 10, verse 14. He's teaching them a lot of lessons. And we come to another one here in Luke chapter 18. In verse number 35 through 43, when Jesus continues his journey to Jerusalem and comes by the area of Jericho. Now, Jericho was about 18 miles from Jerusalem. And uh, just for some clarification, all right, uh, just a little side note. Let's take a little side note here, a little rabbit trail. Let me shoot that thing before we get too far, all right? But just as a side note here, if you read Mark's account regarding this miracle of the healing of the blind man, you'll read these words in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho, It may seem a little confusing at the very beginning. And, of course, the uh, liberal Bible deniers would want you to be confused on that and want you to see or at least think this is a contradiction as you compare other gospel and, and scripture accounts of this same miracle. But understand there are no contradictions and the devil's a liar. So understand what's happening at this moment. There are two cities called Jericho, all right? You have the old city that lay in ruins, that's from, of course, Joshua's day, and then you have a new city about a mile away from the old city. Uh, this new city, Jericho, was built by Herod the Great and his successors for this reason. They wanted a luxurious palace to winter in. <laughs> that's why they did it. So it would reason, at least at least in my mind, it would reason to, to think that the beggars and um, the, the outcasts would hang out around this this. New city of Jericho, because the rich people come here. People like Herod would come here. And other luxurious people would come to this area, in this city of Jericho, to winter. And so it would would make sense that they would be in this area begging for money, for alms, for help. At least it makes sense in my little mind, all right? But just understand that there's two cities of Jericho, and they're about a mile apart. But as Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem, being followed by a very large crowd here in Luke 18. People, this large crowd of people, were following the Lord and getting ready for the Passover in Jerusalem, seeing that was close at hand. And these Passover pilgrims, if I can say it that way, they were following Jesus. Listen, they were in for a real treat. As Jesus is about to heal two men of their blindness, but one we know in particular as blind Bartimaeus. You see, in Matthew's account, he says there's two blind men. In Mark and Luke's account, they just hone in on Bartimaeus. Why? Is that a contradiction, Pastor? No, it's not a contradiction. It would just seem to me that Bartimaeus was a little bit louder than the other man. All right, so he's the one that got remembered by Mark and Luke. There's no contradiction there. But Jesus, again, heals these these men in this healing of these men of blind Bartimaeus and his friend Jesus, again, I believe, is teaching another lesson. And he's teaching a lesson on this. Listen. Listen. He's teaching a lesson on service. And when you think of Jesus teaching this lesson here, to me at least, it's really amazing. Because understand, Jesus Christ is the suffering servant. That's how Mark paints him and tries to portray him as the suffering servant. But as a suffering servant, listen, Jesus going to Jerusalem, he's on his way not just for a Passover. No, he's on his way to the cross. To be the sacrificial lamb for the world, for the sins of of the world so the suffering servant on his way to the cross does this he stops to serve these two blind beggars and to help them I'm reminded of this verse as I think of that in Mark chapter 10 verse 45 for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister to serve to minister and to give his life a ransom for many what a mighty God we serve people I'm thankful for Lord Jesus Christ let's look at this miracle this morning Luke chapter 18, as Jesus making his way to Jerusalem, stops at Jericho to heal these two blind men, one we know in particular blind Bartimaeus. Look at verse number 35 in Luke chapter 18. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh to Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David have mercy on me. And they which went before, or rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people. When they saw it, gave praise unto God, our Father. Again, we thank you for the Word. We thank you for these mighty miracles we have studied these many many Sundays in a row, and this one is again another mighty miracle of Christ and of the Lord. And may we see not just the power, but may we see the person of Jesus. Through these miracles of who you are, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ God, come in the flesh to save us from our sin. And Lord, I pray again, you'd open the scriptures to us and help us to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I'd like for us to consider quickly this morning uh, with this, in this text, is this, number one, take note of the dilemma. Take note of the dilemma. All right, now, what's the dilemma here, Pastor? Well, the dilemma here, dilemma, dilemma, <laughs> I'm in the South, Amen. All right. The dilemma here is this: Bartimaeus and his friend—they're blind. Bartimaeus is blind, and being blind during his time was a very difficult thing. Very difficult. You see, during his time in the first century, if you were blind, either by birth or by disease or by accident of some kind, listen—you would be basically confined to a lifetime of beggary. Meaning, you'll be on the street corners begging for food, begging for loose change, begging for alms, just to survive. And the dilemma that blind Bartimaeus was in was then that very thing. He was just a beggar because of his blindness. Mark chapter 10 says this about him. Mark 10, 46 through 47. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he cried out, began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Listen, this was his dilemma. This was his life. That's what he did day in and day out, crying for mercy, crying for help, crying out to somebody just to drop a a penny in, in his hat or in his cup, just begging day in and day out, which by the way would have been very difficult during this day. So being blind, he was basically confined to a life of beggary. And there, in his time as a blind man or someone who may be in lame or someone who may be deaf or whatever it may be, they would consider that individual, considered him an outcast or considered him them unwanted or considered them a burden to society. This would have been an extremely difficult life for Bartimaeus to live and his friend. Extremely difficult life for them. So listen, blind Bart here... <laughs> He's in a dilemma. He's blind. He's a blind beggar. Then number two, notice this. Notice number two, the discovery. Look at verse 36. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. Verse 37. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. Listen, as blind Bartimaeus sat on the street side that day, he heard a lot of folks passing by. He heard more people passing by him that day more than usual and he listened to the footsteps of the individuals and he listened to even maybe their chatter as they're talking about Jesus Christ. Maybe they're talking about what Jesus has done previously in in just the day before or the city before. He's listening to the footsteps of the multitudes of people. He's listening to the chatter as well and began to wonder what all of this really means. What does this mean? And so, so Bartimaeus, he inquired of all the commotion. And one spoke up and whispered to him. As Bart said, what, what is this, man? What's going on? Someone tell me. I can't see. Someone tell me. What's going on? So someone says, hey, Bart, Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing by. And I believed all my heart as soon as Bartimaeus heard the name of Jesus no doubt his heart leaped in his chest and his hopeless situation all of a sudden became hopeful. Why? Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing by. Finally, he is discovering the one he's heard about is passing by. I believe with all my heart as well that he has heard of Jesus Christ before. And that's why, that's why when people came to him and said, hey, shh, shh. Calm down. You need to settle down. It was all that ruckus, that thou son of God stuff, or son of David stuff. You need to calm down. Please, quiet down. They rebuked him, right? And then the Bible says, so much the more he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David. He wouldn't be silenced. Because I believe he knew what it meant when someone said Jesus passed by. He knew who Jesus was. I believe with all my heart he did. You see, I believe he's heard of what Jesus has done before. I believe he has heard of the many miracles he has done before. Surely he has heard how he's healed other blind men. Several men in the scripture uh, were healed of their, of their blindness. Several were done. You can see that in, in John chapter number 9. The man who was born blind. If Jesus can heal a man who was born blind, surely he can help Bartimaeus. He no doubt heard about him. No doubt he heard about the man. Where Jesus literally spit in a man's eyes and he was, came out seeing. Now that would be weird and gross. But listen, it happened. He was healed. No doubt he'd heard about the other miracles that Jesus had done. The healing of the lame. The healing of the deaf, The raising of the dead themselves. And of course many others. But I believe he had heard about these miracles. And then he hears Bart. Hey Bart. Jesus is passing by. Oh, thou son of David. He didn't wait. He wasn't waiting around. I believe he finally found some hope in his hopeless situation, and it came with his discovery of Jesus passing by. Then I want you to notice this, number three. Not only do you see the dilemma and discovery, number three, I want to see this, the declaration. <laughs> There's a few here I want to point out. And the first one is this, as blind Bartimaeus, it says this one, before all the people, look at verse 39. And they which went before rebuked him, and he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood, commanded, commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath made thee whole. Declaration number one came from the lips of blind Bartimaeus when he said this, Thou son of David. Now, we have seen this phrase a few times mentioned by different individuals. As we looked at the miracles of Christ, we've seen it actually six times. But what's so significant about this title, about this phrase, Given to Jesus Christ again, be reminded of this very fact from the Old Testament. Be reminded that about this: that God made a covenant with David that his throne will be established forever. You can read of that in Second Samuel chapter seven, verses eight through sixteen. But the very last verse, verse sixteen, it says this: The Lord speaking to him, saying, "Thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever." Understand, this was a promise the Lord had made to David and to his seed and the Jews who knew the Old Testament and knew of this promise. Listen, they've been waiting for that king to come ever since to fulfill this promise. And this caused the people to long to see David's greater son, the one who would rule forever. Listen, they've been waiting for the king to come, but how would they know he's here? How would they know that he has come? Here's how Isaiah said it. In Isaiah 35, verse 4 through 6, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not, Behold, Your God will come with vengeance. Even God with recompense. He will come and save you. And here's how you know He has come. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and a tongue of the dumb shall sing. Remember, this is how they knew He would come. And this is what Jesus has been doing all along. Remember when, what John the Baptist said? When he began to doubt if Jesus was really the Messiah, the Christ that should come, he said this, are you he that should come or do we look for another? What did Jesus tell him? Jesus showed his disciples, because John was in, in prison, he couldn't come out and see these miracles, showed his disciples all that he had done, healing of the, uh, of the blind, the deaf, we're singing, we're speaking, he showed them all of that and then quoted to him the Old Testament promises that i just read to you from isaiah 35 and that was enough for john the baptist to know that this jesus is the christ the messiah god come in the flesh it is our god so i believe in this moment that at this very very moment blind bartimaeus when he declares to this crowd this day that thou son of david he knew what he was talking about why because he put two and two together He took the miracles that Jesus has done, that he's heard about, no doubt. He took the promises of the Word of God, such as there in Isaiah 35, and as well in 1 Samuel chapter number 7. He took these promises and put two and two together with the miracles that Jesus has performed and came to this conclusion. This man, Jesus, is the King we are waiting for. He is the Christ, the Messiah we've been long waiting to see. This is the Son of God. Of David, he's here. He's here, and by the way, Bart, he's passing by your way. So, so much the more, blind Bartimaeus cries out, "Thou son of David," and he wasn't quiet about it. Oh, man, I believe he was loud. Remember, there's a great multitude of people. And no doubt this multitude of people had a lot of chatter. And they were, they were talking amongst themselves about maybe what Jesus has done, about what they're going to do as they get to Jerusalem, so forth and so on. So he had to cry out, top of his, top of his lungs, with all his heart, with all his might, Jesus, thou son of David. And it got Jesus' attention. And he stopped. And commanded he brought, be brought forth. So the first declaration I see is this one. As blind Bartimaeus says, thou son of David, he has pointed to this very fact that this is Jesus' national messianic title, all right? Masonic, whatever, all right, but he's Messiah, all right? This is his his title. This is his title. This is a national declaration. It really is. He's the king. And then he made a second declaration, uh, blind Bartimaeus did. Look at verse 41. Jesus speaking says, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And here's blind Bartimaeus' response. He said, what's the next word? He said, Lord. He said, Lord. I want you to know something as I read this. This second declaration is a very precious one. The first one was very loud. It got his attention. The second one, I don't know if he was screaming on top of his lungs or not, but I think he got real close to Jesus and real personal, and said, Lord. Because understand, this is not a national title. It's not a national declaration. No, I think it goes, and I believe it goes much deeper than that. I believe this declaration that, that blind Bartimaeus is making is a personal one. Not a national one, but a personal one. You see, the word Lord here is from the Greek word Rabboni. It's spelled, uh, transliterated, spelled out, R A B B O N A. All right, uh, and you'll find you'll, you'll find this word one other place in Scripture, but it's not the same exact word where we get our word rabbi from, which is R H A B B I. All right, it's not the exact exact spelling. Uh, see, that word there, rabbi, where you find it many times master in Scripture, is referring to more of a teacher. It's out of respect and that kind of thing. It was what the Jewish teachers, or I'm sorry, the Jewish students would tell their teachers, rabbi. It'd be like Mr. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so, out of respect, right? They call him rabbi. But this here, this word, uh, rabboni, is a little bit uh, more personal, a deeper level than just, just teacher. You see, This word here means Lord. It means my Lord. It means my master. Not just any master, not just any teacher, not just any Lord, but my Lord. My master. And the only other time you will find this word in in the Bible is in John chapter 20 and verse 16. When Jesus... After his resurrection, looks at Mary and says her calls her by name, and she turns to him and says, "Rabboni," meaning Master. In John chapter twenty, verse sixteen, Jesus saith unto her, "Mary." She turns herself and saith unto him, "Rabboni," which is to say, Master. This is a very precious title, a personal title. That's not just any master, any lord, any teacher. No, this is mine. This is my master, my lord. This is mine. So, blind Bart, listen. He was making some strong declarations. He had some understanding of the scriptures and of the miracles and declared that Jesus was the king, the Messiah that should come. But he wasn't just the king to blind Bart. <laughs> he wasn't just the king to Bartimaeus. He's a little bit more. No, he was his Lord, his master. Listen, he knew who Jesus was, and Jesus was his God. In Isaiah 35 again, listen to these verses. Say unto them that are filled for heart, be strong, fear not, behold, your God will come. With vengeance and even God, with recompense, he will come and save you. Your God. And so he put two and two together and said, Lord, my Lord, my God, my Master. In this moment, Bartimaeus made this declaration, Jesus is my, is my Lord. Before we go any further and finish up, Let me ask you this morning, is he yours? Is he your Lord today? Do you know Jesus Christ of the Bible as your personal Savior? Do you know God? I'm not asking you if you go to church. I'm not asking you if church is part of your culture Or even claiming to be Christian as part of your culture. I'm not saying that. I'm asking, do you know God? Do you know him? Is he yours? Better yet, does he know you? Even Jesus said, in that day, many shall say to me, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in thy name? and In thy name cast out many devils. In thy name done many wondrous works. And what did Jesus say? He will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. I'm asking you, do you know God and does he know you? Do you know him? Blind Bartimaeus, when he looks at him and says, Lord, he is saying, This is my God. This is my Lord. This is my Savior. Is he yours? If he is not yours this morning, please allow this miracle yet again to show who Jesus is. He is the Savior of the world, not just some miracle worker, not just some powerful man. No, he is God coming to flesh. He's come to save you. He came to bleed and die and be buried for you so you and I can have our sin forgiven, have life eternal through him and him alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, he did it all for you. Do you know him? Do you know him? Blind Bartimaeus, he looked at, at, at Jesus putting all this together and said, No, this is my God. This is my Lord. He said, Lord. He made a declaration. All right, let's look at another quickly, a quick declaration here. This one comes not from Bartimaeus, but it comes from Jesus himself. Look at verse 41. Verse 41. Jesus speaking, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. There was a question that, that Jesus asked Bartimaeus. And this question seems a bit of an odd one to ask. I mean, what else do you think a, uh, a blind man will ask you when he say, What, you know, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Well, what do you think he would want you to do for him? But Jesus knew what he would do. Jesus knew what Bartimaeus would ask. He knew that, why? Because he is God, but understand something. Jesus wanted to give this man an opportunity to express his needs, to express the evidence of his own faith, meaning what did Bartimaeus really believe that Jesus could do for him? If he didn't believe that Jesus could heal him, why would he ask him? So he's he's prompting him to, to exercise that faith in Jesus. With this question, listen. If you don't think Jesus could ever save you, why would you ever ask Him, right? I'm thankful I asked Jesus to save me when I was 16 years old, and guess what? He did. Amen. But He's asking the, Him to ask Him. He's 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 encouraging Him to exercise His His faith in Jesus, and Bartimaeus did. Look at it again, verse 41, and he said, "Lord, that I may receive my sight." But Jesus looked beyond just that physical thing that he needed. That physical request. He saw something deeper in this man. He saw it when he heard the word Lord, I believe. He saw it before that, but it was evident when he heard the word Lord. My Lord, remember, it's personal, it's my God, it's my Savior, my Lord, my Master. He saw it then. And he said this, here's the declaration. That Jesus made, verse 42, and he said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. Thy faith has saved thee. Jesus declared to Bartimaeus and everyone else around him that day that it was faith, confidence, trust in Jesus Christ that made Bartimaeus whole. Look, the Lord is trying to make an emphasis here, I believe. On his, on his faith and everyone else around them trying to get them to see the faith, the confidence, the trust that he had in Jesus, and they too would catch it. I believe he's trying to make an emphasis here on his faith. Do you remember what Jesus says, said to his disciples one day when they could not cast out the demon? We, we looked at this miracle a while back, but it, they couldn't cast out the demon-possessed uh, boy or couldn't cast the demon out of the demon-possessed boy in Matthew chapter 17. Do you, do you remember What Jesus said to his his disciples there? He looked at them and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. Now, I don't believe he was saying that to the folks that were standing around. Maybe there were some Pharisees, and surely that could be said of them. But I don't think he was saying it to them. I don't think he was saying it to the desperate father who was seeking desperate help for his son. I believe, listen, when Jesus said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, I believe he was saying that to his disciples. He said, oh, you're faithless, meaning we know what that means, meaning you're without faith, you're, you're not believing, you don't believe that God can do this. It's, it's way, way out there, man, it's a hard case, yeah, but you don't believe that God can do it, you're faithless. But he added a word here. He said perverse generation. When he added this word perverse, it means this, it means to distort, to misrepresent. And understand this truth. If as believers, as Christians, if we do not operate in the realm of faith in God and belief in the Lord, confidence in Jesus, if we don't operate in faith, and listen, I believe we are distorting the view of God and misrepresenting the Lord. If we don't operate in faith and believe and trust in God for all things, not just salvation, but for all things pertaining to life, everything, trusting in the Lord. If we call ourselves believers, then let's behave like it. Let's believe. Let's trust Him for great and mighty things we know not. Let's trust Him. Have faith in God. The Bible says this in Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. What did he say to, to Thomas when Thomas was in full doubt? When Jesus showed up, he said, Rich hither thy finger, behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, thrust in my side." He said this, though, Be not faithless, but believing. There's many believers that need to listen to that very phrase today. Be not faithless, but believing. Trust God. God can do all things. These miracles prove it over and over and over again. So let me ask you this morning. Where's your faith today? How is it today? Are you trusting the Lord today? Yes, for salvation, of course. But for every day, we need him every single day. I am reminded every day. Without him, I can do nothing. I need the Lord. And so do you. Have faith in God. All right, we see a declaration. Last thing quickly, I want to see this, all right? We've seen the dilemma. We have seen the discovery. We have seen the declaration. And lastly, and quickly, I want to see the decision. Look at verse 43. And immediately he received his sight, and, what's the next word? And followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise unto God. I love this. I love the picture here that you try to picture in your mind. I I love the scene here. As the, as the Bible says, after blind Bartimaeus, who has been a beggar for who knows how long, begging for alms, begging for just a little change to survive here outside of Jericho, the palace, as these rich people would come by, no doubt, just day in, day out, just trying to, to survive, and finally Jesus passes by. He screams at the top of his lung to get his attention, to get some help, find some hope in his hopeless situation, Jesus heals him, makes him whole, says your faith had saved thee, and then he does this. He does not turn around and go home to his family or friends or back to his hometown. He does not go directly to work because as 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 people, people had to were blind or deaf, or whatever they couldn't work, right? He doesn't do any of that. What does he do immediately after this miracle in his life? Immediately, this decision is made. I am following Jesus Christ and Him alone. Immediately, immediately, He follows the Lord. Listen, this is the response that believers should have today. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to serve him again. This is another lesson. I believe Jesus is trying to get to his disciples in this moment to follow and to, to live and to serve him. What was it that Jesus said to his disciples when he first met up with them? You can find it when he first met up with Peter and Andrew. He said this in Matthew four nineteen, and he saith them, "Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men." What did he say to Matthew? In Matthew nine nine, he says follow me. And he arose and followed him. What did he say to Philip one day? In John chapter 1 verse 43, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. What did he say to his disciples in Matthew 16 verse 24? He says, listen, take up your cross and follow me. John twelve, twenty-six: if any man serve me, let him follow me. What was one of the last things he told his disciples before he ascended into heaven? John 21 and verse 19, this spake he signifying what death he should glorify God talking about Peter and when he had spoken this he said to him follow me listen this is what Jesus wants from every born again believer follow me serve me follow me this is exactly what this man did blind is following the Lord after all he has done for him So, folks, let me ask you, after everything Jesus has done for us in our life, why would we do any less for him than follow? Whatever that may be. Follow the Lord day in, day out. Serve him. Follow him. Follow him. This is a decision we all must make. And, by the way, it's a daily decision. Daily decision. To follow Jesus or not. We are pulled in so many different directions, are we not? The world pulls us away from the Lord, pulls us in so many different directions, but the one we need to keep our eyes fixed upon is this. Simply follow Him. And make that decision every day, starting right now, if you've not made it, start it right now. Follow Him. Present your bodies a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Why? It's a reasonable service to follow Him. Follow. Follow the Lord. So we see this decision is made by blind Bartimaeus to simply follow him. It's really a really amazing, amazing scene to try to put in your mind here of all of what Jesus did and what blind Bartimaeus used to be and then what he is now. It's just absolutely amazing. But it's all because, listen, Jesus made a difference once again. He can make a difference in your life too. So if you don't know him this morning as your Savior, please call upon Christ and be born again. Be saved today you do know him as your savior but you're doing your own thing you're following your own way there is a way that seemed right unto man but then there is ways of death listen don't go that way instead follow the lord make that decision today follow him follow the lord you'll never regret that ever.